Breakfast Business with Enterprise Ireland on News Talk. Is Breakfast Business with me, Emmett Oliver, sitting in this morning for Joe Lynham. And as you know, we have reached March. You have also reached Friday. Doesn't that feel good? And coming up on the show this morning, we'll hear the results from PTSB's latest Reflecting Ireland research. Interesting developments about how men and women view finances and progress in the workplace. We'll also be speaking to the CEO of Guaranteed Irish. Yes, we all know them. They are 50 years old. This year, we'll be talking about what their implications for them in the future are and is the symbol still relevant to all of us. But first, let's take a look at the morning papers. And I'm joined, as ever, by Aidan Donnelly from Davies to have a look through what's happening markets-wise, paper-wise and just news generally. Good morning to you, Aidan. Good morning, Emmett. How are you? Very good. Um, surprisingly busy as we head into March. Um, the first story I'd like to take you to is the Irish Times the um, very arresting headline they've got there is on page three, probably maybe should have been on page one, some might say. It says, lack of housing destroying our economy, says Cairns Home Chief. So this is a gentleman called Michael Stanley. Now, obviously, you know, lots of housing companies make comments about the market, but very trenchant stuff here from him where he says, you know, the amount of people that are leaving the country because of lack of housing, he says home ownership rates uh, among 25 to 39-year-olds 30, have dwindled to just 7%. He says we are building about 33,000 houses, but we need to be up around 50,000 homes a year. And he said that needs to be a big structural change. And he talks about scaling up and so on. Now, obviously, uh, care homes are participants in this market. But are you surprised at the, the trenchancy of his, his comments? They're, they're very strong. They are very strong. And I suppose the, the cynics would say, well, he would say that, wouldn't he? Um, but I, I, I think there's a few points he's making here. And what he's particularly focused on is, is that younger age cohort where he's saying that, the, as you said, the ownership from 25 to 39 year olds, which was once considered the, the prime kind of home owning age, has dwindled to 7%. And it was only of the, of the 33,000 homes built last year, only 6,000 were bought by young people. And he's saying this is the big key for for him. And he's saying what you need to start getting is, you know, the government to, through either the approved housing um, bodies or the land development agency to start uh, supporting private homes, small private home builders through their funding support um, in order to just get the the capacity um, scaled up. And they're saying, look, they're going to increase um, their, their targeting growth rates of, of 30% uh, this year with 2,200 units um, uh, coming onto the market. And they're saying their pipeline remains really strong. And certainly the type of housing that they do is is pitched at that kind of first-time buyers um, type level. You know, and, and you know, for their part, they're obviously doing what they can. But as he says himself, it needs to be a far more... Uh, all-encompassing plan if, if if we're to get over this uh, potentially uh, negative impact on, on the economy longer term if, you know, that age cohort of 25 to 39 are leaving. Because yeah, and, um, to get up to 50,000 houses, noble uh, uh, ambition uh, that it is, would be a massive structural change, wouldn't it? When we were already constrained to get 32, 33,000 houses, like the, the, yeah. the tradespeople and all the rest of it and the inputs and the just down to the supplies of cement and steel and all the rest, but to get to 50,000 would be an economy-wide change. Um, And so it's a big deal to try and get to those numbers, even though we all want that to happen. 
Yeah, and I think the other thing too is that the ch- yeah, you then have to answer how ask how you know how long does it have to stay at that fifty thousand a year, um, and then what do you do with all of that capacity when you get to a supply demand, a better supply demand balance within the industry? You're suddenly you've you've ramped up this industry and you've nothing how left. Do you, how to do you do shrink and, back in it essentially? Yeah. How do you shrink back? Yeah, yeah, and I, I I think that's the problem. What you want to do is not necessarily ramp it up immediately and 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 you know create the problems maybe that we saw of the past. Uh, but what you want to put the industry on is a far more sustainable footing in terms of its growth profile and, and, and balancing out that long-term supply and demand equation. Now, let's stick with this theme of capacity constraints. I see Michael O'Leary staring out at me, the Ryanair boss from the Irish Independent, there saying that he's going to put less flights into Dublin, or well, no flights additional uh, because of this cap on the airport growth, the ceiling on traffic numbers. This issue is really bubbling up. It's becoming a major political issue uh, as we head into the election. So on, particularly out in North County, Dublin and surround. So um, Ryanair kind of leading the debate at the moment and maybe Minister Ryan, who's the minister in the area, is struggling to kind of contain them, I suppose, is probably the best yeah. way of putting it. Uh, and Catherine Martin has been pulled into this one as well, given the fact that she's Minister for Tourism. Look, I think, he, you know, he, he's saying in, in the article that he would have placed four additional aircraft in Dublin this summer, but he, instead they're going elsewhere. Um, none of the new AZ routes uh, that Ryanair plans to operate this summer will include Dublin. He has said that that Cork will get one one new route and also uh, to grow, they're also plans to grow out of, out of Shannon and Knock. And he says, look, they're also potentially considering a, a mounting a legal challenge on the, the planning restriction. And that's interesting because, uh, you know, earlier this year, a, a, uh, or last year, a Dutch court threw out a passenger cap in, in Skipball uh, because basically, they, you know, it had limited access to travel and, and, and the basis on which it was, it was imposed had been, had been incorrect. So there may some be definitely something like uh, for, from that perspective. But he's saying, look, if we go the legal route, it's going to take too long. And then what are we going to do? Now, talking about um, somebody who's not suffering any kind of capacity constraints, uh, CRH, uh, bottom of the Irish Times uh, headline reads, CRH shares soar on upbeat outlook and a 32.3 billion cash plan. Um, What's really interesting about this story, and it's right in your area, Aidan, is is they've moved to New York, they're on Wall Street, the, the whole rationale of that was to tap a bigger capital market. It seems to be working. The shares are rising a lot. There's a lot of new money flooding into the company. So, in one sense, maybe in a narrow sense, but in one sense, they were right to move, weren't they? Yeah, look, I, I, I think you've got to you've got to look at the backdrop too in terms of what's going on in, in the fundamentals in the industry. You know, we, we're seeing strong results from from many of these companies because the, the industry remains very good. Now, you also have a situation, I think, where there's a few internal levers for that CRH are pulling within their own business that's helping to improve profit margins um, and also generate a, you know a substantial amount of cash. Um, and and as you said, they are returning a lot of that cash to shareholders. So when they've they've just announced that they're going to commence a a, a three hundred million a quarter uh, share buyback, which is lo- along with kind of the increased dividend uh, up to five percent in in uh, based on last year's uh, dividend, the company's going to return about three billion to shareholders in 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 twenty twenty four. Um, and I think that's certainly one part of the, the the reason why the share price is going. Um, but also, 
when you look at the the, the favorable ma- market backdrop that they've got right now, and there's very positive uh, pricing in in the industry in in the US, and that's you know driven by you know goods infrastructure investment um, and you know non-residential activity across many of their key markets in in, in North America. So I don't think it's necessarily just the, the move to New York. You've got to mm. bear in mind that there's a very strong fundamental uh, tailwind behind uh, the industry at the minute. Now, I want to get your take as well on other market developments, particularly Bitcoin, which we don't talk about that much on this programme mm. because it oscillates around and violently gyrates every day. But it has retraced back up to its highs at the end of the pandemic when I think it was about $64,000 per coin. It's It's got a treading in around there again. And, of course, you get all the, the Bitcoin boosters who say it'll go to 100000 and 200000 and and the sky's the limit. But are you surprised to see it coming back or is that just a reflection of the whole picture with rate cuts and all the rest of it that people are just looking for a home, maybe even temporarily, that they can earn a bit of value on? Is Is that what you see happening with Bitcoin? I think that there's a couple of things. Obviously, there was a, 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 the the launch of a whole series of exchange traded funds on the on the physical Bitcoin. Um, it was announced um, and and approved by the US SEC um, earlier this year, and that is creating a bit of a demand. And as we know, in theory, this uh, Bitcoin is a, a restricted supply. So when demand goes up and supply is constant, you get a price that, that, that that's going to rally. But as you say, the the, the um, as we as, as some people call them, the bit the Bitcoin cranks are out in force again, and and obviously it's it's driving up the share price. And I saw a very interesting comment from somebody who said they they. Um, They've noticed that that many of the crypto pushers resemble European soccer fans who kind of sing when their team is winning, but but when, <laughs> only sing when their team is winning. But when they do, they tend to ratchet up the volume so, a hell of an awful like lot. Sounds like Manchester you know? City fans, but uh, maybe, well, maybe that's a different. Conflict. Maybe that too as well. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I'm not going to pin my <laughs> we, colours to the mass. We don't want to insult one, Manchester City and Bitcoin holders all in the one go. The other thing I wanted to ask you a little bit about is um, Oprah Winfrey, which is probably the first mm. time you've been asked live on air, Aiden, about Oprah Winfrey. But she is a big, a uh, reasonably. Um, big shareholder in Weight Watchers. This is a company that has done well. It's been traditionally quite a solid stock, but because of these new weight loss drugs coming in from various companies now, including Novo Nordisk in Denmark, it's been struggling. And now she's suddenly decided she's going to sell or give away all her shares. So it, it doesn't look good when Oprah gives you the thumbs down. Well, I think the the other point that she's got is she she has been associated with a few of these uh, drugs as well. So there's a bit of a conflict, I think, here. And, you know, ever ever the media mogul, Oprah doesn't want to necessarily be tired with any sort of negative PR. So what she's decided to do is she's going to step down from the board. And she's been, as you said, she's been on the board of, of Weight Watchers since uh, 2015. But what she's saying is that she's she's going to continue to advise the Weight Watchers board and the CEO in, in trying to elevate the, the conversation around recognizing obesity as a chronic condition. Um, uh, but the other thing she is also doing is she is donating um, all of her Weight, Watch, Weight Watcher shares to the National Museum of African American History and Culture. So she wants basically not to have any um, um, any, any, any impropriety uh, cast upon her no matter what she does. So if she wants to stay on her weight loss medication, uh, she can obviously do that if, that if she is on it, but she certainly uh, um, has been taking um, 
weight loss medications in the past and, and still remaining on this Weight Watcher okay. Weight Watchers board. Listen, we'll have to leave it there. It's a, an unusual and novel review, Aidan, probably not what the normal ones are used to where we ask you about Bitcoin and Oprah Winfrey, but there you go. <laughs> Friday is the spice of life. Thank you very much. Aidan is from Davies, of course. Breakfast Business with Enterprise Ireland on News Talk.